Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Bring the Vegas gaming experience to the palm of your hand. Bet your favorite team, try your luck in a casino, or our poker room. The earliest sports lines and the biggest limits online. Lots of deposit options. Bet on live events as they happen. The next play, the next score. Get winnings fast or roll them into a parlay and win even more. Visit Bet Online today and see what millions of customers have experienced for over 20 years. On third and three, they protect Brady. Scans the field and lets it fly. It's Evans. It's a touchdown. This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty. All fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! And there the cannons go. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I am your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself from BucksNation.com, Mr. Evan Wanish. Week three, the NFL season is here, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers finally play a game in Tampa, Florida, as they will host the visiting Green Bay Packers in Raymond James Stadium. 425 p.m. kickoff for that one. These two teams met back way back in 2020. It's almost crazy to think that the first time they played in the Brady era was two years ago now, but uh, the Bucks played them twice in 2020. Got the better of them both times. They did not play in 2021, but this should still be a very entertaining game. Two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever do it under center, Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. I expect some more fireworks this week. Yeah, I, I think so. Obviously, when when these two teams and these two quarterbacks face off, it's going to be a high-profile matchup, and uh, you're, you're looking at it. Uh, you know, the, the Packers can go uh, over 500 after they uh, lost in their opening week. Uh, they were able to bounce back with a win against Chicago, and and then the Bucks can go three and zero for. Uh, the first time in forever. Uh, they've been 2-0. They were 2-0 last year, and they were also 2-0 in 2018, but they haven't been 3-0 and uh, in, in a very long time. So they're chasing that right now, and I think it's a big game for, for both teams, as well as, you know, I talked about this a little bit last week, but the NFC, the NFC playoff picture, right now it's a week three game. It's, it, it is what it is. It's, you know, we're recording this on September 23rd. Like, yeah, it's early, right? but come week 16, week 17, you might look back at this game and it might have huge implications for playoff seeding potentially. So this is a game that I think both teams are going to want to win because, you know, if you own that head-to-head tiebreaker over a certain team, that could really help you down the line. Yeah, and we also talk about the Buccaneers and how tough their schedule is this year. This is the third out of just a brutal four-game stretch to open up the season. And the confidence that they have going into this one knocked off New Orleans in the regular season finally last week for the first time since 2018. They're now 2-0. So a win this Sunday. I know you've got the Kansas City Chiefs and Pat Mahomes the following week. That's going to be something we'll have plenty to talk about. But, I mean, it guarantees that worst-case scenario, if the Bucks win this Sunday, they come out of this stretch 3-1. and one. And if you would have told a lot of people predicting the season before the year started, hey, Bucks are going to come out of this stretch three and one. If you would have told a lot of fans that, I think everyone would have been more than excited because, I mean, this is a brutal start to a brutal schedule. But 
the better shape you can come out of this, I think the better that's going to do for their confidence in the long run. Yeah, and, and you and I in the season predictions both had two and two to, to start the season. So obviously that's still that can still happen. Uh, but it's almost like you'd be disappointed with two and two at this point uh, because that would mean losing two straight ball games. So if you're able to come out of that stretch three and one, yeah, that, that's very good. I, I even think two and two while losing back to back games would be disappointing. Two and two would not be the worst thing in the world uh, with, with that schedule. Like I said, you and I both predicted two and two and we both had the Bucks winning a lot of football games so it's not a huge deal however starting off three and one with this schedule and what you have coming up it would be a huge boost and like i said their confidence has to be an all-time high right now to be able to go out and beat the saints something you haven't done in a regular season in four years your confidence as a team i know a lot of those guys like they weren't here you know they weren't in tampa four years ago like i know a lot of them on the team now weren't there and they weren't there in 2019 or anything but you know a lot of those guys they've been beaten down by new orleans time and time again and they've heard it now they finally got over that hump of finally beating new orleans in the regular season they can move on to a team where the packers are in a very similar situation that the bucks were versus the saints the, the Packers are going to be hearing how, just like you mentioned, the Bucks played them twice in 2020. Once was a regular season game, but one was a big one, and the Bucks beat them both times. So the Packers are going to be hearing that, and they're going to want to be uh, exercising their demons as well, just like the Bucks did against the Saints. So I would expect a solid effort from the Packers as well, and we'll see who comes out on top of this football game. So opening things up on the game preview show, as we always do, let's take a glimpse over at the injury report for Tampa Bay. We talk a lot about this early stretch of the season, but health is a factor because uh, obviously on the offensive side of the ball, you're not as healthy as you would like to be. And then on top of that, Mike Evans is going to be missing this game because his suspension from week two was upheld. So uh, he will miss this game. They'll be without their wide receiver one. And to be honest with you, I know this is kind of foreshadowing a little bit, but I, I still think the Bucs are the better team, regardless of the guys they have missing on offense. But let's talk about some other guys who may or may not be question marks for this week's matchup. So Julio Jones is at uh, the start of the list, and Todd Bowles actually just said today that he is going to be another game-time decision for yet another week in a row. Rough start for Julio, but, I mean, Sean King kind of brought it up with us earlier this week. It's almost hard to be too upset because you want him playing his best football down the stretch. And if that means a little more rest than we're comfortable with to start the year against quality opponents, maybe the offense suffers a little bit. But the fact of the matter is, without Julio Jones out there in week two, and even with him out there in week one, this defense has done enough for this offense to still kind of be in a, I guess, a figure it out period is a, is a weird way to put it. But Julio Jones his status kind of up in the air for Sunday, which uh, isn't ideal. No, it's not. It's not ideal. But uh, he was close to playing last Sunday, I, I think. So I, I, you know, with another week of rest, you, you hope that that he can he can go. Um, we don't know. We don't have any indication, obviously. Um, but you you are hoping he didn't practice on Wednesday or, or Thursday. He is off on Wednesdays, so that's not a huge deal. Uh, but not practicing on Thursday wasn't great, and I don't believe he practiced today. However, he was working with the trainers, uh, doing some light jogging and stuff on the practice field on on Friday. So at least he was doing something. Uh, I think it'll be another a close call. I think it'll be another close call, uh, and we'll see how it all turns out. I, I do. I don't think this is going to be something that holds him out long term. Whenever your game time decision it must you know the 
injury is probably not serious. So I don't think it's going to be something that holds him out a long time, but you could see maybe one more week without Julio. Uh, we'll see what happens, but uh, it'll be interesting to see whether he can go or not. And we have no idea. We, we can't predict it. It all depends on how he feels going through warmups. Well, on a common theme throughout the first quarter of the season, we've talked about it plenty on the show, but the Buccaneers coaching staff is starting to mention it as well. Guys like Julio Jones, guys like Mike Evans, Levante David, Tom Brady even, are getting designated days off during the week. So the fact that they are proving to be a little more conservative with wanting to push these guys out there and get the most out of them right now, like the fact of the matter is some of these guys are a little bit older. You know, it's really, really hard to play at your peak ability at 31, 32 years old in the NFL, especially at a position like wide receiver. So the more rest you can give these guys, as long as they're feeling good, I just want to trust that the staff knows best. You know what I'm well, saying? Like, yeah, well, and the good thing, the only silver lining, I think, in the Mike Evans suspension is now he gets the rest of his own injury. He was dealing with, with a calf injury, so now he doesn't have to worry you know, he doesn't have to worry about, you know, playing this week or practicing. He can take it easy this week, and hopefully that calf can be 100% healed up next week. So, uh, or, or at least maybe not 100%, but feeling much better than it was, you know, last week. Uh, I believe he, he had it taped up uh, at practice, and then he kind of hurt himself a little bit during the New Orleans game. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think the Bucks saw how last season went and with the wider specifically with the wide receiver position and they also we haven't talked about it but they made an addition uh with with Cole Beasley uh joining the the team so they want as much depth as possible but the depth doesn't matter if none of it's healthy so i think that's their top priority obviously they want to win football games in the regular season uh because that's the goal right but they want to be as healthy as possible come the postseason. So if having Julio Jones, not having Julio Jones week three versus Green Bay means you might be able to have him week 15 when you might need a must win game to, you know, get in yourself in the position for a number one seed potentially, I think the Bucks would rather that. So uh, you'd like to see Julio out there. I think the Bucks want to see Julio out there, but I also don't think they're going to push him. Uh, you know, they're going to, they know that, He's a player who is a veteran who has had multiple injuries over the last few years. He has not played a lot of football, and that's that seems to be the issue with him. He has the talent. He has the ability. It's just the health, and um, right now I think that's what the Bucs are trying to manage. And it's no secret that injuries were the downfall of the Buccaneers last year. I, I, everybody looks at that divisional round playoff game against the Rams, and like, yeah, they almost won. But they didn't. And I think the reason that game was at one point, uh, what, I'm sorry, 27 and nothing? 27 to three, I think. Right. The reason that deficit was as big as it was is because there was no offensive firepower whatsoever for Tampa Bay. I mean, Tom Brady had to will them back into that game with a couple of, you know, big turnovers by the defense as well throughout the process. But when you're missing your right tackle, when you're missing offensive linemen, when you're missing playmakers in the wide receiver room, yeah. the Buccaneers are learning from their mistakes. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to hold injuries against the team because it's usually worst case scenario. You can never guess stuff like that to happen. But the Bucs are going to do what they can to take these preventative measures to prevent these guys from being out in the long term. Another guy in the wide receiver room this week who popped up who's considered a question mark, but I thought it was common knowledge he isn't going to play is Chris Godwin. I don't think there's a chance he plays this week. People say he's a question mark, but like there's no way he was going to play this week. Yeah, I I really uh, think the Bucks. I urge the Bucks to not. I, I don't think he's going to play, 
but I urge the Bucks to not rush him uh, because of this Mike Evans suspension. That's not smart. That's, you know, if you're going to rush him back, that is not smart. Now, I do think Chris Godwin's close, and the reason I think he's close is because they did not put him on IR when they could have. If they put him on IR, that would have meant he missed the first four games. Uh, you know, he missed four games. So that would have meant the Saints, the Packers, the Chiefs, and the Falcons. So that means that the Bucs thinks he's either returning versus the Packers, the Chiefs, or the Falcons. They think he's going to play in one of those games, or else they would have put him on IR. So, uh, yeah, I, I would not expect him to play. I don't think the Bucs are going to rush him back just because of this Mike Evans suspension. I still think next week versus Kansas City is a realistic shot. Um, but, I, yeah, this, for this week, I, I do not expect to see Chris Godwin out there. Along the offensive line, the left tackle Donovan Smith also considered a question mark, but some positive news for yeah. Bucks fans. He returned to practice this week, did not practice today. Todd Bowles addressed that and said, listen, they're just going to give him some rest. They feel like he needs it. And I mean, when you're coming off of an injury and you go out there and practice, maybe you've earned a day off on a Friday. But uh, me personally, we don't have a definitive answer as of this recording, but I think we do see 76. Give it a go this week. Well, you you thought that last week too. Yeah, so. well. You know. <laughs> um, yeah, but Todd Bowles said that there's no setbacks for for Donovan Smith, and he's another game time decision. So uh, I I don't think the Bucks are not going to be ruling him out until probably you know a little bit before the game when you get the inactives list, if at all. Uh, it was a positive last week. Really, this week feels realistic, and, and and this week I will say your your claim that Smith will play feels a little bit more realistic because last week he didn't even practice at all. Um, like, like last week he didn't practice at all. It was a pain tolerance. Thing. Yeah. And it's tough to do that. Yeah. So last week I was like, yeah, I really wouldn't expect them this week. I still don't expect them to play. I think again, next week is the most realistic, but it wouldn't shock me. Uh, last week would have probably really shocked me if he played this week with him practicing and having no setbacks after that practice, it wouldn't shock me if he gave it a go. We had mentioned the ER. I'm sorry. We had mentioned the IR. Yeah, <laughs> well, the ER is where a lot of these guys would end up. <laughs> uh, we had mentioned the IR a little bit earlier and just some additions for Tampa Bay this week. Running back Gio Bernard and backup left tackle Josh Wells is our Josh Wells. You know, yeah. basically once Diamond Smith went down, Brandon Walton obviously came in. So that's important because if Diamond Smith can't go, Brandon Walton is your starting left tackle again. I mean, he filled in good, but just like Sean King said on, on the Monday show, and I've said it a bunch, you know, backup players are good when they're in that role. You know, I, I always talked about a, a backup baseball player. Everybody thinks that the utility guy on their team is so good. Sure, when you give him 300 at-bats, he's good. But what happens when you give him 500 at-bats? That, that average is going to go from 290 down to 230. Longevity um, is where some of these young guys get right. exposed, especially and, and, with a lack of experience. Yeah, and you know, depth is depth, but long term, uh, that can't really. Most of the time, it doesn't really hold up. So hopefully, if Brandon Walton, if Donovan Smith doesn't play and Brandon Walton has to fill in, hopefully he is able to put together another solid week. He played really well in a tough situation, getting thrust into there in, in New Orleans. Um, he, he played really well. Hopefully, he can play really well again against another pretty talented defensive line. Another potential blocker for Tampa Bay, probably not going to play this Sunday. That's rookie tight end number 88, Cade Otten. He hasn't practiced all week due to personal reasons. We don't know what it is. It's none of our business. Uh, but if he doesn't play, a lot of people might be scratching their heads as well. But this could be the debut of Kyle Rudolph, huh? I mean, it, it feels like it's it. about time. They they need it. They're, they are getting absolutely nothing. Um 
for for from the tight end position. I, I mean, absolutely nothing. Um, and this is in terms of, of receiving and stuff. Blocking, uh, Brate obviously hasn't been the best blocker, but I'm not going to hold that against him because that's never been Brate's calling card. Um, Coke Keith has been good as a blocker. He was not as good versus New Orleans as he was versus Dallas. Kate Otten didn't see as much action as block with blocking as he did uh, versus Dallas. But, I mean, Cameron Brate had one catch for seven yards in the, in the Dallas game. And then versus New Orleans, he had one catch for nine yards. Kate Otten had a catch in New Orleans, one catch for four yards. And then in the Dallas game, I don't believe he had anything. I think he was targeted one time. The tight ends so far this season have three catches. Like they are getting absolutely nothing from this tight end room. And I've criticized this offense the last two weeks, despite them being two and oh. I have criticized the offense and the philosophy, but part of it is that they're just not getting production from a, an entire position group in the receiving room. I mean, th- they are literally getting nothing. So maybe Rudolph playing against a team that he knows very well in, in Green Bay, he can come in and maybe provide a little bit of a spark. Um, I I just, I don't know what to do. It, it seems like, uh, you know, you, you better hope that Gronkowski comes out of retirement because I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not expecting Kyle Rudolph to solve all the answers. You know, the, he was scratched like a healthy scratch. There's a reason for that. Um, so I'm not expecting him to, to come in and, and be a, you know, a superstar, um, but it, something's got to be better. And I don't know, you know, like I said, if Rob Gronkowski doesn't return, I don't know if you can go a full 17 games and an entire playoff run with the tight end position just being a complete non-factor, especially with the injuries you have at receiver. And it's tough, too, because people look at this Buccaneers offense the last two years with Tom Brady under center. The tight end position with Rob Gronkowski playing, obviously, has been a safety net for this offense. It, It is It's one of those things where, like, outside of the tight end position, just the sheer chemistry that Brady and Gronk had to make any adjustment at all at any time. I mean, he could literally look over and with a wink of his eye, Tom or Rob would probably know what he meant. He'd go out there and he'd execute, and the Bucs would probably move the chains, get a touchdown, whatever they needed to do, whatever the situation called for. It's a big change. Like, I know that a lot of people are also going to say that, Oh, well, with a Bruce Arians vertical style offense, it doesn't call for a lot of help from the tight end, but well, it doesn't look matter. At what, look at what Rob Gronkowski did two year, in two years. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I have said in the past that like in a Bruce Arians offense, the tight end doesn't matter. But when when the tight end is a guy like Rob Gronkowski, he makes it matter. Right. Um, when it's he, a first ballot good. Hall of Famer throwing to a first ballot Hall of Famer, yeah, he's, he's going to be productive good. regardless of what yes. your playbook is asking and, for. And they're missing that right now. If Gronkowski was was you know on the football team right now, you know I think you, there'd be a lot less concerns uh, on Sunday because of the receivers being out. Okay, you would have Russell Gage, maybe Julio Jones, Brashad Perryman, but then you'd also have Rob Gronkowski as that safety blanket. And right now, now it's just not there. Cameron Braid's getting older. He was never the most athletic guy to begin with. It seems like he's slowing down. Uh, I like him as a person, but right now he's just, he's not giving you enough as, as a football player. So, um, you know, it, it's unfortunate because like I said, Cameron Braid has been a great player for the Bucks for, for many years, but right now it's just, he's, He's being exposed right now, and and they, they need to find a way to get some type of production out of their tight end room. 
Wrapping up the injury report for Tampa Bay, defensive lineman Akeem Hicks is out this week after leaving last week's game due to injury. Uh, But everybody else in the injury report should play, I I think is expected to play. There were a lot of names on there, but not everybody that we need to focus on. I will say one interesting note I took for practice this week. Everybody talks week in and week out about all these narratives with Tom Brady and Tampa Bay. Oh, he doesn't like it down there. Oh, he runs the team. He doesn't respect his coach. Whatever it may be, whatever shit people feel like throwing against the wall. It was reported, I think, on Tuesday that uh, from now until the end of the season, Tom Brady is pretty much always going to have Wednesdays off. Well, guess who showed up to practice on Wednesday and participated fully? None other than a TB12. I think Julio Jones may have also been out there, but he's another guy who had a designated. Yeah, Julio didn't didn't practice on Wednesday. Okay. Well, the fact of the matter is Tom was out there a day after everyone reported that he wouldn't be out there. So like that, personally, that that warmed my heart that, uh, you know, he chose to go to that. Yeah, and I I wouldn't expect that every week. Um, But like last year, he had Wednesdays off sometimes. So like that's not a huge deal. Um, Todd Bowles also said that Cole Beasley could go on Sunday if the Bucs need him to do so. Um, That to me sounds like if Julio Jones doesn't go, it sounds like Cole Beasley could. Um, You know, also Scotty Miller showed up on the injury report. So he was dealing with something this week as well. Like you said, most of the other players are expected to be good. Like, you know, all the other guys, Carlton Davis is on the injury report. He's fine. Um, Leonard Fournette again was on the injury report. He's fine. But uh, about the uh, Keem Hicks thing, really quick note. uh, He'll be out about a month. I know we know it's been, it's been reported, uh, but they're going to miss him. uh, I think, you know, it seemed like he had a slow start versus Dallas. He was pretty good versus new Orleans. And, um, I think they're going to miss him, especially against the team like the Kansas City Chiefs, where pressure is going to be key. And even in this game, pressure is going to be key. So I, I think they are going to miss him if he is out like uh, strictly a month. Basically, he's likely to miss obviously the Packers, Chiefs, Falcons, Steelers, probably the Panthers game week seven, and maybe you could be looking at a week eight return against the Ravens. So um, I would guess he's probably going to be out the next four or five games. So that's going to hurt. And probably Logan Hall is probably going to be playing a bit more than normal. So it'll be nice to see him, but I think it's going to hurt the defensive line overall because Hicks to me was just starting to get going a little bit there. Let's talk about the addition of Cole Beasley. We forgot to mention that. Uh, Put out a video over on our YouTube channel this week, but let's get a little more into that. Tampa Bay Buccaneers signed former Bills and Cowboys receiver Cole Beasley to their practice squad. The expectation is that sooner rather than later, he's going to be bumped up to the active roster, and maybe this week is the week if Julio Jones does not give it a go. But I think the idea behind this is people look at Cole Beasley and say like, oh, well, he's, he's washed. He's another old veteran receiver. And maybe to a degree he is, but I think we should also remember that his last two seasons were some of his most productive. And I mean, at the end of the day, he's just another safety blanket type player for this offense. Another veteran wide receiver that Brady can can build trust with a little bit faster than some of the younger guys. And he's going to give you a lot more of that underneath stuff. You know, he's not a deep threat like Scotty Miller is like a lot of people seem to think he is. That's just that's not how he works. He's. I mean, he's more of an Edelman receiver he's, than we've had in a while. Yeah, he he's Julian Edelman. Yeah. Scotty Miller is not. Cole Beasley is definitely Julian Edelman. Cole, Cole Beasley's here because Julian Edelman told Brady again, hey, I'm I'm not coming out of retirement. Mm, I mean, yeah. we don't know that for sure. That's just speculation, yeah. obviously. But <laughs> well, to, I mean, people forget Edelman's three years older than Cole Beasley. Too, uh, 36? So. Yeah. yeah, Edelman's old. <laughs> Busted um, knees. Yeah, like I think Edelman just I yeah, 
I think even if Brady asked him, I think Edelman would say no. Um, but yeah, I mean, Beasley has been productive the last two years. Now his production went down from 2020 to 2021. He had almost a thousand yards for the, uh, for the first time in his career in 2020. He was fantastic in 2020 at 967 receiving yards, four receiving touchdowns. In 2021, it dipped to 693 and one receiving touchdown. But you're just looking for depth in anywhere you can find it. Uh, to me, this feels a lot like when the Bucks signed John Brown last year. I don't know how much Cole, Cole Beasley is going to be playing for the Bucks. I don't think John Brown even like registered a catch in a Bucks uniform, if I, I think remember. He might have registered one. I think it might have been in like that Carolina season finale. He might have registered one. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know how much he's going to play. We'll see. But it's just, it's depth. It's depth that, that you can have. And it's it's clear that, you know, they don't have a lot of trust in a guy like Scotty Miller right now or a Kalen Geiger or Devin Tompkins. Like they don't have a lot of trust in those guys. And when you're trying to go all in to win this year, yeah, you don't put a lot of trust in those young guys. If they're not doing the job, you can't. You have to put your trust in veterans, unfortunately. Of course, the Bucks would love to see Scotty Miller rise to the occasion. Like, yeah, of course, they're not rooting against Scotty Miller. Well, Scotty, Scotty had a fair but, shake last week to do that. And he couldn't. And, you know, so like they, they, they've tried and just, you know, it seems like he's running too fast for his own good. We, we talked about that. Uh, so Beasley's here now to just provide some depth. And like I said, I don't know how many games when the Bucks are fully healthy. Will Beasley even be like on the roster? I don't know if you know, Julio is 100 percent. Mike Evans back from suspension, 100 percent. Chris Guy with 100 percent. Like, I don't know if Beasley will even be so he can stay on the practice squad right now. Uh, and he can be elevated to the active roster three times from the practice squad before the Bucks have to make a decision on either keeping him on the practice squad and he cannot be elevated anymore, or you got to have him on the active roster. So that at least gives you the Packers game, the Chiefs game, and the Falcons game that they can basically determine whether or not Cole Beasley can just stay on the practice squad and come up for game days. So, uh, yeah, it, it's fine depth. It, it is it is what it is, and um, you know, hopefully he'll be able to provide something that Scotty Miller or a Kalen Geiger or Jalen Darden just cannot. So that does it for the Bucks injury report. We should briefly mention the situation that Green Bay finds themselves in. People talk a lot about, you know, finding trust in young wide receivers and Aaron Rodgers and no stranger to that this year, but uh, there's a lot of guys hurt so, for Green Bay this week. <laughs> so, yeah, this is like pretty unprecedented. Now we don't have Fridays. Um, that's, that's a big, a big distinction. And people that are listening to this, whether it's Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night for a Sunday morning, they're going to be saying you idiots. Um, you know, of course, this you idiots, all these guys played. Yeah. Um, but what, with the information that we currently have, Randall Cobb did not participate on Wednesday or Thursday with an illness. seems like a pretty serious illness. If you're not going to participate in practice to me. Um, but then. So they had Alizard, Sammy Watkins, and Krishna Watson. Where I have all been banged up, but they were all limited on Wednesday. None of those guys practiced on Thursday. So let's say that out of the Bucks received, let's say Julio Jones and Chris Godwin do not play. Okay, let's say those two don't play. Then let's say the Packers are, let's say Randall Cobb, let's say he's just sick. Let's say Randall Cobb plays. They're going to be without Alizard, Sammy Watkins, and Krishna Watson. So what's it going to be? Is it going to be Randall Cobb and Romeo Dubes against 
uh, Russell Gage and Brashad Perryman. <laughs> like, it's just that that's gonna be that's so, gonna be insane. It's the battle um, of the Bay, but it's also the battle of the reserve wide receivers. Yeah. You might see some new faces everywhere this week. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's yeah. Now, I mean, a major thing for the Packers is David Bakhtiari didn't participate on Wednesday, but was limited on Thursday, and he's one of the best tackles in the game when on the field. Uh, he had obviously a real struggle staying on the field, but when he's there, he's really good. So I don't know if, I don't know if he could play. I think he hasn't played yet this season, but um, you know, hopefully for the Bucks' sake, he doesn't play. Uh, but other than that, I mean, uh, Elton Jenkins uh, was limited participation both days, th- uh, Wednesday and Thursday. He's a good player. Uh, their offensive line didn't play great against Minnesota, played a little bit better against Chicago, but with Jenkins in the lineup. So, um, yeah, the Packers could be looking at a very similar situation to the Bucks in that Aaron Rodgers does not have a ton of weapons to throw to. All right, let's get down to business here. Let's break this game down. I, I want to talk about the defense for Tampa Bay first because you, you got to stick with the hot hand, right? I mean, these guys have won us the game the first two weeks of the season, and uh, they look to do just that against Aaron Rodgers, who usually does not play well in Florida and also usually does not play well against this Tampa Bay defense of Todd Bowles. They are looking for takeaways on Sunday. But I'm going to be honest with you. We, we talk a lot about the strengths and the weaknesses so far of this Buccaneers defense. And over the past few seasons, they have touted the number one run defense in the league. I do think that changes a little bit this year just with a change in uh, – a change in uh change in approach, I guess, and how they run their defense and what assignments they send guys on. But I think they can do a lot to disrupt Aaron Rodgers. We, we talked about the pass rush looking a little bit better to this point, the season. So I think, I think it's going to be a tough day for Aaron Rodgers. but as far as Tampa Bay goes, I think they could get beat up by that running back committee. They have in green Bay, AJ Dillon and uh, Aaron Jones. They've been getting the job done. They've also got the third back whose name is escaping me right now, but he was also productive on primetime against Chicago not that long ago. So realistically, if there's an area where I feel like this game could kind of get away from the Bucs, it's 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 going to kind of determine what those guys do and uh, what their afternoon looks like. I'm concerned. Um, uh, yeah, I, I am concerned because the Packers look really good running the football. Um, they Their offensive line is, has been – blocking pretty well the Packers are kind of playing the same way that the Bucks are they don't want Aaron Rodgers throwing it 40 45 times that they're trying to run it more and they now the the Minnesota game kind of got away from them right it, it kind of got away from them, so you had to go away from from the run a little bit but Aaron Jones had five attempts for 49 yards 9.8 average AJ Dillon 10 attempts for 45 yards 4.5 average that, that's and a touchdown in Chicago versus Chicago Aaron Jones was a monster 15 attempts for 132 yards that's 8.8 average and a touchdown AJ Dillon 18 attempts for 61 yards 3.34 3.4 average their running game has been really good. And I think with the lack of receiver talent that they're going to have on Sunday or could have on Sunday, they're going to be relying on that run game. And also to keep Brady off the field, uh, Aaron Rodgers has had trouble with turnovers in Tampa uh, and pressure in Tampa and in Florida in general. How do you eliminate that? You run the football you run it officially and effectively. And right now this Bucks run defense has not been as great. It really hasn't. And part of it is because of the standard they've set for themselves. I think if they were, 
you know, always like a middle of the pack run defense team, we'd be like, okay, like whatever. But the standard that they've set, uh, you know, the standard that they've set for themselves is so high and the bar is so high right now. They're not living up to that and they, they need to be better or else, you know, they could be in danger of the Packers just controlling the clock and, and, and grinding out a low scoring victory because Tom Brady can't get the football, you know, and the Bucks can't get their hands on the football to turn the ball over. So um, I am concerned about that. And I think how the Bucks handle the Packers ground game is going to be a big determining factor in who wins. Yeah. And changes in personnel are always going to play a factor into that former defensive end JPP uh, signed a one-year deal with Baltimore this week. So we're going to see him later on this year if he's on their active roster and then, of course, Indomitian Sue still a free agent. But, I mean, that those two guys, even though JPP wasn't healthy most of the time, he still played a vital role in shutting down the edge and helping that run game be what it was the last couple of years. Yeah, and I'm going to say something really fast. And I'm not overly concerned right now, but I don't know what's going on with Vita Vea. Um, He's being doubled a little bit more, but at the same time, like, he had a sack really late in the game in Dallas. Other than that, the dude's been invisible. Like, like, like he, he has been invisible. And when you're talking about stopping the run game, he is the guy that yeah. is like, well, spe- main, like responsible for stopping that run game. And he hasn't done it, especially with Akeem Hicks not being in there now. I, yeah. I know I made the comment that after Akeem Hicks left the game against New Orleans, it, it almost seemed like that run defense got a little it bit did. better. So maybe we see some more well, Logan I, Hall. Of course, Will Golston getting involved there as well. So it'll be interesting to see what they roll with this Sunday. But in two games against Tampa Bay in 2020, Aaron Jones only ran for like 42 yards. And, well, and, and that's and that's because the Bucs were able to control the game. Yeah. You know, that, that that's that's huge. The, the Packers are able to control the game. It, it all it all depends on what team wants to it gets to play their style of football. That's what it depends on. What team gets to play how they want to play? The other team that doesn't get to play that way is going to lose. Like, like that's simple. If, you know, the Bucs want to control the clock, the Packers want to control the clock. Whoever can do that is going to win the game. Well, while we are talking about the strengths and weaknesses of this Bucks defense and, and playing football their way, something that they have done incredibly well these first two games is get after the quarterback. They currently lead the NFL in sacks. I think they're at 13. Uh, I thought they were at 10. Maybe they are at 10. That sounds a little more accurate to me. They've only allowed 13 points. That's what it is. Okay. Well, this Bucks defense, obviously leading the league in a lot of categories, including points scored only 13 up until this point. But uh, I mean, this pass rush has been very much improved when we look at how they started 2020, 2021, especially 2021 when all of that hype was there, right? Shaq Barrett leads the NFL in uh, quarterback pressures. I know he doesn't lead the NFL in sacks right now, but Devin White also has three sacks on the year. This pass rush is showing up, and and David Bakhtiari, his status is going to be a huge question mark as to how productive they are, but I kind of expect that to continue this week. Like I I know that whoever plays their brand of football is probably going to win the game, but I still think this Bucs defense can do some damage regardless of what the running game looks like. If they can control the clock and Aaron Rodgers only passes the ball 20 times this game, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But on those passing downs, if you can take advantage and get after them, I mean, that's how you beat any NFL quarterback is is you pressure them. And they certainly have been able to do that with Rodgers in years past. Yeah, and, and Rodgers struggles against Tampa, uh, you know, particularly in Tampa. 
have been well documented. Greg Allman uh, brought up an old tweet that he had, I believe, before the first Bucks Packers game in 2020. He said, "Amazing that Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers has never thrown more than three interceptions in a game. Stranger still, he has two three interception games in his four games in Tampa, 2008, 2009, and two three interception games in his 200 career games played everywhere else." Now he also updated the stat said just to update this still crazy stat, Aaron Rodgers has never thrown more than three interceptions in a game, and he has as many three interception games in Tampa, two, in four games there, as he does in 233 career games played anywhere else. So now it's just getting more and more. He seems to really, really struggle in Tampa. Uh, Rodgers' 2020 game in a 38-10 to 10 loss to the Bucs in Tampa, he was 16 for 35 for 160 yards and two interceptions. It's the third worst game of his career by quarterback rating. Three of his six lowest rated starts have ever have come in Tampa, others in 2008 and 2009. So this is a guy who has really, really struggled in Tampa and the state of Florida because he played in last year's game versus the Saints in Jacksonville and lost. He was 15 for 28 or three, uh, 133 yards and two interceptions. He, you know, has really, really struggled in the state of Florida. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's something with the humidity or something that he doesn't like about something, but he really seems to struggle with that. And certain guys have that, but Rodgers is one of the most high-profile players I think I have seen that really, really struggles. So he doesn't throw many interceptions, but against the Bucs, he seems to. And, and the Bucs, I think, are going to have the force at least one or two on Sunday. Percocets and Florida Heat don't mix. That. <laughs> Well, I mean, if he's still on him or not, we don't know. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. I love making fun of Aaron Rodgers any chance I can get. The guy is entertaining, and a lot of people say he's, you know, oh, the most athletic of all time, but... Athletic? Yeah, I know. Well, you can't say he's the greatest because people get all bent out yeah, of but, shape because obviously there is only one goat in the NFL yeah, but, as of right now. Yeah, but most athletic? Yeah, I listen, think- that's just what I've heard. Okay, the comparison was always... Brady's the greatest. Aaron Rodgers is athletic. I think <laughs> I, I've heard Brady's the greatest. Rodgers is the best. That's what I sure. Yeah, not, not not. I didn't heard most most athletic. There's some. <laughs> ooh, I mean, Rodgers as an athlete's a good athlete. Yeah, but when you but, got Josh Allen's and Pat Mahomes running yeah. around, it's hard to it's hard to make the case. I mean, this was also three four years ago before those guys I mean, were really would, prominent. I would even league. I would even say in terms of athlete and athletic, Michael Vick was. A, yeah. More athletic. Yeah, there you go. Cam Rogers. Newton in his prime. Yeah. Guys like, like that. That's what I think of. Not necessarily Aaron Rodgers. Oh, uh, that's good stuff, though, man. But hey, as we kind of wrap up the discussion on the Tampa Bay defense, there is one guy that we should highlight. And uh, I feel like it's going to kind of live and die on defense, depending on what his position group does. And I know we've talked about this guy week in and week out at this point, but you almost have to expect another big game from Devin White here if this Bucs defense is going to neutralize Green Bay the way that they hope to, especially with the running backs. Yeah, I think the linebackers are going to play a pretty key role. Uh, Levante David, I believe, had a sack uh, in Tampa against Aaron Rodgers, so did Devin White. Um, yeah, they're, they're going to play a pretty key role inside this game, like you said, against uh, with that running game as well. Uh, they're going to have to play well. I think that the two linebackers are definitely going to play well, and um, – you know, we'll see what happens, but it's not going to be easy. I think even though Rodgers is going to be without some weapons and, and he's trying to work in new weapons, this is the best quarterback you're going to be facing so far. Like, 
a good quarterback. We've seen it with Brady, like a an elite quarterback. Can They're still make, gonna make plays. Yeah, can make the lack of weapons not matter. So like Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott to me is a good quarterback, but he struggled on Sunday Night Football. Jameis Winston to me is a decent quarterback, but he but he struggled. To me, Aaron Rodgers is better than both those guys. So like you're gonna be facing the back to back MVP, whether you like it or not. He was the back to back MVP, and he didn't just get there just for no reason. So um, you know you're gonna be facing an elite quarterback, and when you face elite quarterbacks, it doesn't. Sometimes you can play great defense, and it doesn't matter. So the Bucks are definitely gonna have to get after. After Rodgers, and they're going to have to make the Packers one-dimensional, which this season, so far, the Packers' offense is easier said than done because they've been running the ball really well. So we're about seven months removed from the NFL superlatives, but can we agree that 2021 Brady was robbed? Yeah, we already talked about this. I know, but I just want to revisit the topic for anyone who may have forgotten. I know we praise this guy as the back-to-back MVP, but I want to put an asterisk on that 2021 season. Sure, but I'm not – it's facts. Like, it's – no, it, it is. It, it, it is. I mean, you know, the evidence is there. Statistics, facts are facts. But I still think Brady was robbed. Anyways, let's talk about the other side of the football for Tampa Bay, the offense, who usually we open up the show with because there is much more to talk about. But I think the million dollar question this week is with a question mark on Julio Jones, regardless of if he's out there or not, is this week the week that the offense finally figures it out and uh, gives us a little bit more? No, no, um, that doesn't. And and that, well, I mean, they're going to be without Mike Evans. Like we, we know that. I mean, and that's just, that's just the reality. I mean, they could legit be without Mike Evans, Julio Jones, and Chris Godwin. Uh, that's, you know, um, here we are in we, week three, just like we guessed. We, we, we don't know about Donovan Smith, uh, the Packers while Justin Jefferson went wild on, on the Packers. Like, I mean, Kirk Cousins was 23 of 32, 277 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. The Vikings only scored 23 points, and then the Bears scored 10 points. And I know the Vikings and Bears, I think the Bucks' offense is probably better than those, especially the Bears, obviously. But the Vikings and Bucks is pretty close, I think, especially with the Bucks that we've seen so far. Um, but the Packers' defense, I, I think it has – it's a combination. It's a combination of the Bucks missing pieces, but also the Packers defense being really good. Like I think the Packers defense has come as advertised so far. They Rasul Douglas is getting better and better at that nickel corner. Jair Alexander is one of the best corners in the NFL. Had just a and, freak interception against Chicago. I don't know if you saw that one to kind of wrap things up. He's yeah, he's always been good. Yeah, he's he's really good. And you know, they, they have a talented defensive line. Uh, Kenny Clark, Rashawn and Gary, Preston Smith, those guys. Uh, their linebackers have improved. So they're they're a good defense, and they haven't really had much trouble this season. So I, I'm – yeah, it's – the Bucks are going to try to run the ball, and that's where the, the Packers may be able to be exploited because the Bears ran for 15 times with David Montgomery for 122 yards. So if the Bucks can run the football, that's fine. But if they can't, if they have to go in, if it's like New Orleans last week where the Packers are stuffing the run and the Bucks have to rely on the pass, I, I start to worry because the Packers secondary, I think, is their strong suit of the defense. And I don't know about the Bucks' lack of experience and just necessarily talent at wide receiver. I don't know if they would have enough to be able to, to overcome some of the Packers you know, defensive things that they're going to throw at them. 
I think a lot of people hope that this is the week we can finally see the emergence of a Russell Gage. I mean, even more so if Julio Jones is not available out there, because if he is, you have to assume he's going to be your number one to a degree. But yeah, Russell Gage is, could very well be the one. <laughs> he, he's got to show up. I mean, sooner or later, I know we're in the first quarter of the season, so we're probably overreacting a little bit. But we cannot stress this enough. You pay this guy $10 million a year to essentially be your wide receiver three. And I know the first two weeks has kind of been a slog on the offensive side of the ball, but you got to start seeing something from this guy eventually. Um, yes and no. I mean, he led the team in catches last week. Um, Fair. Had, had, hasn't had the big plays. Had five catches for 28 yards. Uh, also was second on the team in targets with six. Uh, was wide open on the Rashad Perryman touchdown. Brady just didn't decide to go there. Sometimes that happens, and that's only really some stuff that you can watch when you're looking at the film, honestly, is, oh, the guy's open, the quarterback decided to go somewhere else. So, um, yeah, I think Gage has been fine. You want more out of him. I don't know if he's still limited by that hamstring at all. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're going to need more out of him because like you said, you pay him $10 million. So um, you're going to need more out of him. but I also don't think he has completely sucked. Uh, it's just, this is the type of game where, yeah, you're going to need a five, six catch for 70 yard and a touchdown performance. Like you might need that from Russell Gage. You're not expecting Russell Gage to go out there and dominate. That's not what you paid him to do. That's not what he is. And, and sort of, be that guy, like I said, five, six catches, 60, 70 yards, and, and a score, you know, make an impact on the game. Uh, and Gage made a, a s small impact on the Saints game, but it's time for him to make a bigger impact on this one. He's going to have to. I think when when you're used to having guys like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans who can who can make a play at any given moment, it's easier to look at someone in this position and say, yeah, we expect a lot more from him. But I think the fact of the matter is kind of like you said, he doesn't have to dominate the game. I'm not expecting him to go out there and get 120 plus yards, two touchdowns, but be that guy on the offensive side of the ball who who steps up and helps make the play, right? Like Brashad Perryman was last week. That was that was the go ahead, essentially the game winning touchdown for Tampa was, Bay. That was, the, that was technically the game winner. Right. When they finally just bust open the door and they can get over the hill on the offensive side of the ball. I'd like to see Russell Gage be that guy this week because we know he can do it. Yeah, yeah, you would like I mean, we know he can do it in a Falcons uniform. Uh, yeah, that's you don't fair. know if he can you don't know if he can do it in a Buccaneers uniform and that's what he needs to prove on Sunday. Now, looking at the battle of the trenches before we move on here, I think a lot of eyes are well, actually I don't think as many eyes are going to be on the offensive line this week because uh, Brady hasn't been sacked as many times as the national media would like, so there hasn't been as much slander on this offensive line a lot of people consider them incredibly untrustworthy but i mean it's one of those things man and until they royally f things up i'd like to see another week of consistency and for guys like robert hainsey luke gedicke that can only mean great things so far yeah i believe uh brady was sacked once uh, against new orleans and, and it was like a, stepping up kind of fell down yeah that's a defensive line that has given him hell um so that's a really positive sign now, again, like I noted, you're going up against a really talented Packers front. And there, you know, Preston Smith is a good player. Kenny Clark's one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL. Sean Gary's a good player. So you're going to have to contain them. This isn't going to get any easier, right? I mean, this is not going to get any easier from New Orleans to Green Bay. But, um, yeah, you're starting to see the confidence in the offensive line a bit more. 
and hopefully they can put together another good game. I think the offensive line being kind of in flux and having some pieces move around, I think that is part of the reason why the offensive game plans have been what they are. So hopefully if the team can get a little bit more confidence in that offensive line, that they're going to be able to do the job, they can open up the playbook a little bit more and get back to what I think they need to get back to, which is playing to their strengths of, you know, passing the football, utilizing play action, running it. Sure. But, you know, I, I think, the reluctance to pass is because they don't want Brady taking all these hits and he really didn't take many hits in New Orleans. Uh, Dallas, he got beat up a little bit, but he really didn't take that many hits versus the saints. And I think they're looking for another week similar to that. Hopefully they, they get it. Oh yeah. 100%. Let me ask you this before we move on to the weekly checklist. Is there anybody in particular on this offense that, that you want to highlight this week or, or maybe you're going to be watching a little bit closer? Well, I mean, Maybe a guy like Rashad White with with the receivers being limited, potentially. Do you see Rashad White as a receiving threat a bit more? We haven't really seen that a lot this this year yet. And and I, I always and I thought that Giovanni Bernard was actually going to start out as the third down running back. And I was wrong. Giovanni Bernard has been playing mostly on special teams. Um, he, he played but- he, he had one return. And now he's on IR. As yeah, far as he, I know, I think I think he played four special team snaps on Sunday, and he got hurt. That's just bad Man. luck, right there. Right, yeah, um, rough start for Geo. This is a guy who is kind of who's kind of gotten used to being injured these last two seasons. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean Rashad White. I expected him to kind of be like a, a late. I said by like mid season, I thought he was going to be in form, but. Right now, this week might call for a bit more. You know, maybe you have Leonard Fournette in the backfield here with Rashad White, you know, lined out wide. Uh, you know, maybe you use him, his receiving ability a bit more. Now, he did have a drop against the Saints. That's going to need to be cleaned up, especially when the Bucks drafted you because you were such a good pass catcher. You need to catch those balls um, or else Brady's just not going to throw the ball to you because he's not going to trust you. So, I... I'm not expecting a huge game from Rashad White, but it wouldn't surprise me if we saw a bit more from him with the limited options they have at receiver. Yeah, I think the process of getting that guy just casually more reps throughout the year, you know, a couple targets here and there early in the first quarter of the season. And then as the year goes on, especially with injury going to be lingering at the running back position with the absence of Gio Bernard the rest of the year, maybe you see him step up in some capacity here over the next few weeks. But I mean, it's good. I think anytime you can get a rookie out there, I know we talk about this championship window and you don't have a lot of time to waste with rookies. So could it be seen as a risk relying on this guy? Absolutely. But the more rookies you have who can come in here and contribute, it's going to obviously fare better for this draft class and the Buccaneers in the long term. So hopefully we get to see him make a few plays this week. That would be definitely exciting. But as we bring this uh, game preview to a close, as we do every single week, we finish things up with our favorite segment. It is the weekly checklist. Basically what it is, it is uh, basically at least three things the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have to do if they want to emerge victorious against Green Bay this Sunday. Evan, I'm going to toss it over to you. What have you got, my friend? Well, the first thing is um, win the turnover battle. That's and I, mean, I know I said that last week, and I said that if you won the turnover battle versus the Saints, you'd win the game. I still kind of feel that way in this game. Uh, they, they During the... The, the first game in Tampa versus these two teams, the Bucks won the turnover battle and, and they won the game, right? And Jamel Dean's pick six probably saved that game. I think the Bucks lose that game if Jamel Dean doesn't make that play. Um, but, I mean, it changed the whole game. The Bucks two turnovers right there changed the entire game. So 
you need to win a turnover battle. You need to play clean football. Did a better job of it versus New, New Orleans, but the fumbles, you know, like the 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 snaps, like that's something to me that's always inexcusable. Uh, you should be able to, you should have no problem getting the ball from the center to the quarterback. That it's fundamentals. Be, yeah, you that should I mean? be it's, second it's, nature. It's less of a mistake. Like if you've got a guy who caught the ball and he's running an open field and drops it, that's one thing. It's a mistake. But if you're botching the snap, like, yeah, that's that's unacceptable. Yeah, and, and that's on the center and the quarterback. So, you know, Hainsey and Brady will have to clean that up. So I think yeah, you're going to need to force a turnover or two out of this Packers offense. And Rodgers doesn't throw many picks, but he, he throws some against Tampa for some reason. Todd Bowles does a really good job of disguising things. So I think the Bucs are going to have to uh, find a way to force one or two turnovers and take advantage of those turnovers. Uh, second is red zone. You, you got to be more productive in the red zone. You took two trips down there uh, to start the game versus the Saints. One was the fumble. The second one, he got stopped on a fourth and one. Brady talked about that at his press conference yesterday. said, you know, that two opportunities right there to score points. He didn't do it because of, you know, whatever, mental errors, mental mistakes, poor execution. Uh, you need to be better in the red zone. You need to start turning these from three to six. And I mean, even, you know, versus New Orleans, they had two chances at three right there and couldn't even do it. So uh, you need to not waste your red zone opportunities in, in this game. And secondly, uh, well, not secondly, last, third, um, is just stay disciplined again. Um, you know, they did a pretty good job versus New Orleans, but you don't want flag deciding this game. So stay disciplined. Um, and that also not only means with flags and penalties, but also means on the field play too. Uh, stay disciplined with, with, with the run game on, on the defensive side of the ball, because I think the Packers are going to try and establish it. I, I really do think so. The Bucks are going to have to be able to be patient. They're, they're going to have to fill in their gaps, and, and I think they're going to have to defend this run well, because if they don't, the Packers are going to control this game. And I don't think just because of the offensive firepower for both teams. I don't think this game is ever going to get to the point where it's so out of hand to where the run game can't keep you in it, right? Like if it's the third quarter and time is chewing away and the bucks are ahead by 17, then yeah, green Bay is probably not going to stick to the run game, but I don't think this game is going to get to that point. So I think all four quarters, you're going to have to be ready and you're basically going to have to shut down the run. So, yeah, real quick uh, on the Packers side of things, Alan Lazard, Christian Watson, Mercedes Lewis returned to practice. Dave Bakhtiari is practicing, but Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, and Mason Crosby are not. So uh, the special teams coach, Rich Versacia, said he fully anticipates Crosby to kick Sunday, but Crosby didn't practice yesterday or today. So Sammy Watkins also did not practice yesterday or today, and Randall Cobb hasn't practiced all week. So uh, Lazard and Watson returned, but Watkins and Cobb are still out. Let's do some final score predictions and wrap this thing up. I know I said that this game is going to be close, and I still kind of stand by that, but I think the Bucs will make some distance in the fourth quarter. I got the Bucs by 10. I'm going to go 27-17, Tampa Bay on top. So during the season predictions, you had this as a win, and I had this as a loss. I had the Bucs at the time falling to one and two because I had them losing to New Orleans. Um, so I, I think, uh, think I'm going to change it up. Uh, I, I think the Bucks are going to win. 
Uh, it's not going to be pretty. I don't think it's going to be pretty at all. I think it's going to come down to the wire. It's going to be a lot like New Orleans last week. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. You're going to be sitting there like, can this offense do anything? Like, you're going to be sitting there basically saying, how long can this defense hold Aaron Rodgers? You know, like how 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 many more drives can they hold him? Uh, and and I think the Bucks do just enough to squeak out a win. I think the Packers injuries, especially if Watkins can't go, Watkins was their leading receiver last week. If Cobb can't go, he's somebody that Rodgers trust i think that matters i think obviously aaron Rodgers versus todd bowles that matters and i think the bucks are motivated i think brady obviously practiced all week i think he wants to get out there and get the three and oh so i think they're gonna do it it's gonna be a low scoring game i think the bucks squeak it out 21 to 20 uh, i think they, they they win by one point um I think they have more success on the ground game this week than they did last week and i think the bucks do just enough the Packers are going to run the ball well, I think, but I think the Bucks defense is going to do just enough to to be able to stop them. And I think the Bucks defense is going to come up with a turnover, and the Bucks offense is going to play clean football. And ultimately, that's the difference in a one point win. It's going to be a fun game regardless because it always is whenever these two teams face off. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be there in attendance at Raymond James Stadium, my first game of the year. Had to uh, basically give up an arm and a leg for my ticket. It was. Uh, <laughs> Long story short, I think I'm in section section 102, so I'm right next to the visiting team's tunnel, which is a pretty dope view. I like the corner view. Here's the kicker, all right? Finding tickets to this game for less than $400 was damn near impossible, but I swallowed my pride, ended up finding a kick-ass price on this seat, all right? Section 102. Right there in the corner. I found the ticket. Guess, guess how much I found the ticket for. I mean, if you don't want to say it, you don't have to. Um, no, I mean, I don't, I don't care. Is, is it? Is it? Was it an individual ticket? Yeah, just an individual ticket. Just me going. I'm going to be tailgating with some coworkers of mine, so that'll be fun. Come see us in Lot 5. You'll know us when you see us. Um, uh, okay, I'll guess uh, 200. 200? Uh, yeah. A little cheap. I mean, it was okay. Three hundred and eight dollars. Okay. And I'll tell you this for a lower bowl ticket. That was the best price in the building because you weren't going to get a nosebleed seat for less than three hundred and fifty dollars, especially once you open up the resale tickets. So I get really excited and I'm like, you know what? I found a three hundred dollar ticket. I'm going to buy this right now. That way I don't miss out because if I don't, someone's going to jump on it. So I get it. I'm going through the checkout process. Finally get to the final page, and I'm looking at my receipt. It says your ticket, $308, tax, $10, additional fees. fees. Took my $300 ticket and made it a $550 ticket. So holy shit, the Bucks better win this week because I'm going to be be short (laughs) half a grand if they don't because, like, oh, my God, I'm telling you. Well, you're, you're going to be short half a grand either way. Just, yeah. Are you going to be short yeah. with a loss or a win? Well, oh I'll be much God. happier spending the money in a, in a win. It's kind of how it was last week. I told you on the podcast here, uh, I bet against the Bucks last yeah. week, and I had, that to, out. I had to you fork paid. over 20 bucks. But you, you know what? Paid that out. I'll do it every single time. If I have to pay 20 bucks for them so, to beat New Orleans every so, so, time, I'll do it. Well, let me ask you, week nine, are you going to bet against the Bucks as well? I feel oh. like you kind of have to. I feel like the Rams are that other team that they can't beat. So I feel like you kind of have to. 
I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll take one for the team. I, I'll, I'll figure that out when the well, time comes. Well, if, if if they lose, I'm just going to blame it on you. It's okay. <laughs> either, either way, yeah, if that, I win my bet the, or my lo- that's or actually lose the game. It. That's actually the game that I'll be at. So. Okay. Hell yeah, man. Maybe we'll have to figure something out. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We truly do appreciate your support. Next time we talk to you, it'll be on Sunday after the Packers game, but it's not going to be our usual time, as I had alluded to. I'm going to be in attendance at the game. If, if the Bucks lose, Red's going to be down bad. Yeah, because... if the Bucks lose, I'm going to be in a terrible <laughs> mood. Um, if, they, if they win, I'm going to be in a great mood. I'll probably be a little sloshed either way, but... Uh, We'll jump on here. We'll do a live podcast that evening. I'm thinking maybe around 8 o'clock, give or take. We'll keep you guys updated throughout the week. And the best place to keep updated on stuff like that is over on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Follow Evan over on social media, Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. Uh, really quick. Um, last minute update. Yeah, it it appears that we do know the reason for Kate Otten's absence. Um, it appears that his, his mother has passed away. Um, so uh, he posted on Instagram ten minutes ago a post to the brightest person in the whole world. Thank you for your endless love, encouragement, and laughs. You always find the good. You always found the good in every situation. So I'll try to do the same for you. I'm so thankful God gave me you as a mom. I'll smile at our memories forever. I love you and I'll miss you so much. So that is the reason for Kate Otten's absence. Uh, that is the reason he was not at practice. Condolences to Kate Otten and the entire Otten family. And um, yeah, so sorry. Sorry to end the podcast on, on a grim note, but literally just saw that. And that is the reason for his absence. So we don't know if he's going to play on Sunday, but uh, either way, football is not important right now. So, um, you know, take care of whatever you need to. Yeah, incredibly sad. Sending all of our love and uh, well wishes to the Otten family. Nobody, nobody wants to go through that, man. That's, I mean, it is incredibly tough. I, I couldn't possibly imagine. We will talk to you guys following the week three contest against Green Bay in Tampa Bay. Looking forward to a good game, and uh, we will keep you posted. Any information, you can follow us right here on YouTube. Subscribe if you haven't already. I'm your host, Rhett Matthew. Signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll catch you in the next one. Until then, and as always, go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.